Yeah, please be seated. And just before we begin the message, and I read out of the scripture for us, I've invited Pastor Ali to come on forward and share a little bit. He, as many of you know, has retired after 33 years of working here in Silicon Valley. Thirty-three years—it's fantastic. But um, he's going to share a little bit about what uh, is coming up for him. What's next? And can we get a handheld mic for him, please? Um, that'd be great. Um, uh, Ali, as you know, has been here at GRX for many, many years, um, serving here. He's been on the—he's been the chair of our leadership team. Of course, he comes and preaches. Um, he's walked with a number of you at, in through lots of different stages of uh, his life. Um, but Ali, can you go ahead and share what's coming up? Thank you, Pastor. Uh, some of you, this is not a surprise. Uh, I'm going to tell you right at the outset, I, I hate goodbyes. I hate goodbyes. But uh, uh, this is uh, not the close of the book. This is a close of the chapter, but a continuation of the narrative, the journey that God has me on. I'm going to be around uh, in July will be actually my last Sunday will probably be the 23rd of July. But, uh, and I may be in the first part of July, but I'll be back and forth uh, with Eureka. As you know, my bride is in Eureka, and so that's where my heart is and the grands. And uh, uh, we're just seeing where the Lord wants to lead us. Right now, uh, as some of you may know, uh, uh, I've been doing this teaching thing with Haiti, uh, Doug Stevens, Pastor Doug, who was our interim pastor here, just returned from uh, my second time going back there. I've been invited to go back again for next year, just doing some teaching. Interesting enough, uh, teaching has been one of those areas that I enjoy tremendously. Uh, I never imagined it would be somewhere overseas. I was thinking it would always be local. So I'm not sure what God is up to, but that may be an area. The other thing that I'm looking at kind of in the background is some of you have mentioned this to uh, the chaplaincy role, looking at the institutional chaplaincy role uh, in, with the VA uh, hospital. Uh, that's an area that uh, is tugging my heart as well. So I'm not sure where God is leading on all of this, but I'm just going to trust him. I, I know he can't he will not lead me in the wrong place. Uh, I'm not going to say goodbye. Uh, I get too emotional behind that because you have been such a very special family to me. So uh, I look forward to spending some more time, uh, whatever time that is. But I know you'll see me in and out for a bit, uh, uh, probably up until the 23rd of next month. And then uh, probably that will be it. So uh but keep us in your prayers. And, of course, my lovely daughter, Akia, will be here. So she'll be holding it down for us. God bless. <laughs> Thanks. Ali, um, we're going to try to celebrate you. Uh, we're going to try to celebrate Ali in July. Um, we're also going to try to roast you a little bit, so just because we love you. Um, but uh, there's a lot of things going on. As you know, I really encourage you today in Food Fellowship, hang out, talk with Ali if you want to hear more about what's going on. In this moment in our service, um, can we just pray for you? Sure. And sure. so let me invite us to pray together for Ali in the transitions. Father God, I thank you so much for Pastor Ali, uh, the incredible servant that this man is in building your church and your kingdom, uh, a man of love, a man of wisdom, 
and a man who uh, you have filled with your word. So God, I thank you for him. I thank you for his partnership. I thank you for his leadership in our church. God, we know that you are preparing the road ahead for him. And so God, I pray that as he looks towards Eureka and being there, I pray God that you would open the doors for him to continue to serve and to build your church. God, I thank you for him. Uh, We love him. And thank you, God, for the ways that he has blessed us. We lift Pastor Ali up to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Just a side note from the Haiti trip. I'm always looking for how God is not just going to use me, but how God may want to speak to me in my own brokenness or area. And one of the things I discovered in that journey of teaching was that uh, how terribly entitled I am. And I would never admit that, but you, you, you see the inconveniences, and I was kind of annoyed by it. And I came back with a profound sense of gratitude that God allowed me to see that part of me so that I could address that part of me. So, anyway. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. It was good to uh, have a chance to touch base with Pastor Ali earlier this week and to hear a little bit about Haiti. He went to Haiti to do teaching with some pastors that were there, along with Doug Stevens, who, as he said before, was our interim pastor here at GRX. So again, just really fascinating. I think from this community, it's pretty cool to see how people that we know and that we're connected with continue to build God's kingdom in different places and support other pastors. Um, So definitely talk with Pastor Ali about that as well during Food Fellowship. So for this morning, now we're in the month of June. Summer is upon us. And so for us, we're going to be looking at a series called Heroes. It's the summer movie series. The movies are coming out, the big blockbusters. They're showing up all over the place. This movie just recently came out. Um, There's a bunch that are coming. Um, I don't know how many people have seen this one. I haven't yet seen it, but I know it's got really great reviews. Who are some of your heroes in the movies? What movies are you wanting to go see? Who are you wanting to go and watch on the big screen? Um, I have some personal favorites as well. Um, And these guys, I always ask, what is it about the summer movies? What defines a hero? I mean, they do great deeds, right? These guys right here, they do incredible things. They save the world. They save the universe. They, they save the galaxy. I mean, these guys, it's even in their name, Guardians of the Galaxy. They save the galaxy. That is fantastic. We love heroes. And it's not just a U.S. phenomenon. All over the world. It's fun to look at some of these movie posters and actually see them in different languages because all over the world, it's a very human thing that we as humans love heroes. Now, these superheroes, they're just a lot of fun. Movies are great. We love them. Our kids love them. Evelyn, my my wife, we love them. And superhero movies, I believe, have such a draw 
not just for us, but have such a global appeal because I think they touch something within all of us. They touch something within us as humans, which we long for and we love. And what it is about the heroes is that they are strong, that they are courageous, and when they need to, they do the heroic deed. Not that they're perfect, not that they're impervious to pain, but when needed, they do the heroic deed. So, of course, the summer movies, right, they're all imaginary folks. They're all make-believe. But what about normal people? Are there normal people who also do the heroic deed? And we look at them and go, they are great. That's courageous. That's a hero. There's a woman named Rosa Parks. And in December 1st, 1955, she did a heroic deed. In the racially segregated Montgomery, Alabama, and in all of the South, everything was segregated. The bathrooms were segregated, the restaurants were segregated, and the public buses were segregated. And in one part of the bus, there was a bus that was for whites. And in another part of the bus, there was an area for people who were colored. And so Rosa Parks, African-American woman, she was sitting in the colored section. So she was actually in the right section of the bus in Montgomery, Alabama. She was coming home from work. She worked as a seamstress, long day, tired. She was sitting in the right spot on the bus. The bus begins to fill up. It gets very crowded. And then a white passenger gets on the bus. And what happens on December 1st, 1955, was that the bus driver turns to Rosa Parks, who's sitting in the right space, in the right section, and tells her to get up out of her seat and move to the back of the bus so that a white passenger can sit down. And what does Rosa Parks do? You guys know American history. You guys know the story. She doesn't get up. She remains in her seat. And that begins the Montgomery bus boycotts, and the rest is history. Seminal event in the life of our country, in the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks. And what did she do that was heroic? She remained seated. This kind of heroism is remarkably normal, remarkably human, and remarkably unspectacular. She's a hero, and she remained in her seat. As followers of Jesus, the Bible gives us all kinds of stories of people who are heroes for us, heroes of faith. And what is so striking is that for so many of these biblical heroes, their heroic deed also seems very unspectacular. It just seems very human. 
very unspectacular. And so for this summer, this summer series, we're going to look at heroes, but I've got two goals. One, that we would explore these unspectacular biblical heroes. And then number two, that we would be encouraged to also live heroic, unspectacular, but profoundly faithful lives. We're going to look at these biblical heroes who lived unspectacular ways, yet they were heroes of faith, that we might be people that also live heroic lives of faith. The heroes in Scripture, they come from, what we're going to study is they're going to come from two main places. Hebrews chapter 11, that great section on who are the heroes of faith, All of these list a number of heroes. And then we're also going to draw some heroes from the genealogy of Jesus out of Matthew 1. And so from these two sections, we're going to look at men and women in Scripture. We're going to look at Enoch, Abraham, and Joseph for the men. And for the women, we're going to look at some people that maybe you haven't heard of before. We're going to look at Tamar. We're going to look at Rahab. And maybe you have heard of Ruth. We're also going to be looking at Ruth. Unspectacular men and women who made faithful choices and were heroes for us. So with that background of the series and what we're going to do, let's get into Enoch. And you're like, Enoch? Who's Enoch? Like, you don't know who he is, right? He's not in the Bible a lot. He actually only shows up in a couple of places, and we're going to look at both of these places. One of the places is in Hebrews chapter 11, that list of all of these heroes of faith. So if you can look at the screen here, we've got Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 through 6, and look at how Enoch is described here. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him up. It's remarkable. He didn't see death. Now, before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So this couple of verses in Hebrews, it says that God was pleased with him, and that he didn't see death. All right. So what else can we know about him? Like, why was he pleasing to God? Why did God bring him up? Another section that refers to Enoch is in Genesis chapter 5. And this will be also here on the screen. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Now, this is what's remarkable about, God, uh, about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had some other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enoch were 365. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Okay, so what is going on here? These two passages in Scripture talk about Enoch. God took him. He walked with God. 
What is going on? Enoch is here in Genesis. He's listed in the seventh position after the creation story, after Abraham. So this seventh position, it's a unique position. It's a celebrated position. And we might be struck as we look at the story of Enoch, wow, the guy lived a long time. It's like 300 years. He's the father of Methuselah. He lived the longest. But what is remarkable about these two passages and what it says about Enoch is that he didn't die, which is like mind-blowing. That here's a guy, he didn't die. It says that God took him up. He didn't die, it says in Hebrews. God took him up. He was not found. There are not many people in Scripture who share this distinction that they didn't die. Elijah the prophet shares the distinction. He was taken up into heaven in two kings. Elijah was taken up. In the story of Jesus Christ, after he was resurrected from the dead, he was also taken up into heaven. And Enoch. So you've got Jesus, you've got Elijah, and you've got this little-known guy named Enoch who was taken up in the same way that Christ was, in the same way that Elijah was. What do we know about Enoch's life that he would receive such an honor that he would be a hero like the prophet Elijah or put in the same kind of category like Christ? It says it in Genesis chapter 5, and it actually says it two times in this passage. And what it says about Enoch is that Enoch walked with God. It says that Enoch walked with God. If we could put that on the slide, please. Enoch walked with God. That was his heroic deed. That was his heroic deed. It's actually a phrase that also applies to Noah in Genesis 6, 9. It says that Noah also walked with God. What's the big deal about walking with God? It's unspectacular. Why would this be heroic? Why would this be heroic? I guess you could ask in the same way, what's the big deal about Rosa Parks sitting on the bus? And yet that mattered And this matters. This, that Enoch walked with God, is the reason that he lived a life that was pleasing to God. So I'm going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to offer a couple of reflections on what is it to walk. What is it to walk? And then I'll offer three things right at the end. Three things that we might be able to do to enhance our own walk in this way. Because Enoch walked with God. So two reflections on walking. First, when you walk with someone, you walk the same path and the same pace. When you walk with someone, you walk the same path and you walk the same pace. Some of you guys might recognize this picture. This picture is of Mission Peak in Fremont. And I know there are some among you who have walked this. I know there are some out here who have walked this because there was a Saturday morning 
where some of the men, we were inspired, and we got together and we said, let's climb Mission Peak. So we got together very, very early in the morning, and we met at the parking lot at Ohlone College. We all drove in. I, feel, I remember we were like the only three or four cars that were there that morning. We got there, and we made sure that everybody who was coming gathered. We all got there together. We made sure we were all together, made sure we had water. We had our hiking stuff ready to go, and we knew the path, and we started our journey together on the trailhead right out of Ohlone College, and we wouldn't go up there. Now, as we were walking along, Pastor, and Ali, Pastor Ali and I, we got to talking, and kind of that's what pastors do, right? We talk. We talk a lot. Sometimes we talk too much. Sometimes we talk too much on Sunday morning. But we talk, and we like to talk. So Pastor Ali and I were talking, and our group began to get spread out on the path. We were all on the same path, but we began to get spread out. When we discovered that the group began to spread out, we stopped. We waited so that the whole group could regather all together. And then when we were all together, we continued on our journey. And eventually, after much effort and much sweating, we all made it at the top. And we all made it together. We were on the same path and we were walking the same pace. In terms of walking with God, I think most of us can relate that sometimes we don't always walk with God. Sometimes we get a little ahead. Sometimes we get a little behind. Sometimes we're not even on the same path. When we were there at Mission Peak, there were a whole bunch of people that were not walking with us. There were people, as we were on the path up to the summit of Mission Peak, they went off on side trails. They weren't walking with us. And we didn't care because they weren't with us. So they were going off on different parts of the mountain. While our group was walking, we also noticed that some people were walking faster than us. Some people were slower than us. We didn't wait so that we could all be together because we weren't walking with them. And sometimes that's how it is in our life of faith. And we're not walking with God. We're walking ahead of God. We're walking too fast. Or maybe God's leading us somewhere down a path, and we're like, oh, God, I don't, I don't think I want to go down that path. I think I want to walk over here. What's remarkable about Enoch is that he was walking with God on God's path and then on God's pace. But it's not just your path and your pace. When you walk with someone, it means that you share life together with them. Your life is shared together. Because when you walk with someone, like when we walked as a bunch of men from GRX, we shared community, we shared fellowship, we shared intimacy. Can we have the next slide, please? You walk together with someone and you share life together with them. 
By contrast, imagine that you are walking with someone. And then all of a sudden, they break off into like a dead sprint. And you want to be with them. So you like break off into a dead sprint. And you are just flying down the path trying to stay with them. It is going to be really tough to talk with them. If you are running full blast, it's going to be really hard to listen. The wind's going to be in your ears. You're not going to be able to hear anything because you are running flat out crazy fast. I wonder how many of us in our lives feel like our schedules are crazy and that to keep up with all of our activities and all the stuff that we're doing, that we feel like we are running crazy fast. Because when we're running crazy fast, we're sprinting from sunrise to sunset, between activity to work to relationship to this to that to the other thing, and we're flying, we're crazy. It is very difficult to share life. It's very difficult to share life with each other, and it's very difficult to share life with God. It's almost impossible to have intimacy, community, fellowship, conversation when we're running crazy fast. So to walk with someone We need to slow down. We must do the unspectacular and courageous and even heroic, Herculean deed of slowing down. Okay, so let me end the message with three practical things, three practices. If you're a follower If you're a follower of God and you're like, man, how can I learn to walk with God? I'm going to share three things. I'd like you to listen to all three and choose one. Be easy to get overwhelmed, so just listen to all three and then choose one. Okay, so ways to walk with God. These could be our practices. Number one, walk and talk. Walk and talk. Now, this doesn't say drive and talk with God. I know some people drive and they pray, and that's great. If you drive and pray, that's cool. That's good. You can do that. But I want to emphasize the walking and talking. And the way I want to have us think about this is, so when you drive to wherever you're going, and you get out of your car and you shut the door, then you're going to walk from your car to your house, from your car to the work, from your car to wherever. I would like you to take that time to be mindful of God. As you are walking, to be mindful of God. Where are you going? Who are you going to go see? And pray that God shows you how he is present in that place. Ask God to go before you to be in the midst of those relationships that you're about to connect with. The actual walking that the physical act of walking would be our expression of also praying 
and being mindful of God and God's presence with us. So that's the first thing, walk and talk. When you're walking, to be talking and being mindful of God. The second thing is this, commit your pace or your time. Now, this is a little bit more than just being mindful of God. What this is, it's beginning to live our lives at God's pace. It's choosing to live my life, not on my pace, but beginning to live my life on God's pace, which is slowing down. There is no substitute for spending quality time with God. There is no substitute for us being with God and reading our Bibles. No one else can read your Bible for you. You are the only one that can read your Bible. That's your quality time with God. You're the only one that can pray to God out of your life, out of your heart. It's committing your pace, committing your time, setting aside some time in the morning, setting aside some time in the afternoon, or setting aside some time in the evening. Committing your pace, your time, setting aside that time to be with God. I know some of the folks here at GRX were using that app that I showed you guys around Easter time called the three-minute retreat. It's a cool app. I like it. It's a devotional. You can download it on your phone. It really, it takes three minutes. And you read scripture, and it asks you some questions. If you want to turn up the volume, they've got some music. The three-minute retreat. What is that? That app is a way to begin to commit our time and commit our pace to walking with God. And the third thing is this. Commit your path. This might be the hardest thing. Particularly if you're like me and you worry about the future. This is really hard to do. I listed a few things about the things that sometimes I worry about. I wonder if you worry about these things. We worry about our friends and our friendships and how those are going. We worry about dating. We worry about marriage. Sometimes we worry about growing older. Or sometimes we worry about our work or our jobs. We worry about our careers, our finances. We worry about our children and how they might turn out. We have aging parents. We worry about our parents and their health. To walk with God is to bring each and every area of our lives, all of these areas that we worry about, and to surrender ourselves to God's path and God's plan for our lives. This is perhaps the most difficult thing to do. Christian people talk about it all the time. I need to surrender to God. I need to surrender. This is very, very difficult to do. The trouble with worry is that worry spurs us on 
to hurried activity, to frantic, anxious activity. It pushes us on ahead to rush on, to run faster and faster and faster. And sometimes we're spinning and running and expending so much energy because of our worry that we totally lose track of the path. You might be here this morning and you're like, man, I have no idea where God's path is. And that might be because maybe you're running a life that is so busy and so crazy and so fast that you don't even know where God's path is. You don't even know where your path is. You're just like running. So this call is to dial back, to come away with God and to say, God, what is your path for my life? And don't start big, just start in one small area. God, what is your path about my aging parents? God, how do you want me to love my aging parents? Not to control them, not to be anxious around them, but God, what is your path? How do you want me to love them? Maybe you're a helicopter parent, and maybe you wish you weren't a helicopter parent, but you can't help yourself, you're a helicopter parent, and you're like, God, help me. You can commit the path of your children to God. And every day say, God, I'm committing the path of my children to you. How do you want me to parent them? How do you want me to steward this great privilege of parenting these young lives? That's what it means to commit your path. That's what it means to commit your path. So these are three ways. Choose one. You can walk and talk. You can choose to commit your pace and your time, or you can choose your path or a part of your path and commit that to God. Right? Walking with God. It's unspectacular. And it's heroic. And I pray that we might be people that live like Enoch, who walked with God, that we would be people who walked with God. Let me pray for us. God, I give you thanks that we can walk with you. And even if we haven't been walking with you, we feel far off from you. God, I thank you that you're not only the God of second chances, you're the God of 20 second chances, you're the God of 30 second chances and that we merely need to turn to you and to commit our ways to you and that you will be faithful and that you will be present. So God, I pray that we would learn to walk with you this week. We would commit our ways to you. In Jesus' name we pray.